welcome to episode 170 of Friends of Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Missing Link. As always, I'm your host, Cabrud, once again joined by Josh Draley. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. Hey. Hey. Uh, so it's been like two days since we dropped our emergency Star Wars pod. Correct. And do you have any more thoughts um, on the trailer on Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker? I mean, I think there's, well, I don't, nothing's coming to my mind immediately, but mm-hmm. Amanda did uh, text me one other thing that I also saw, uh, you know, pointed out online that the trailer mirrors the first trailer for Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Since yeah. every, you know, legend has a beginning or every saga has mm-hmm. a beginning or something. And then now this one says every saga has an ending. Yes. I, I don't know where you guys, I also saw that. I have Brian Young was the one who was tweeting it out that I noticed yesterday, like just starting the thread. Mm. I didn't follow it all the way till its conclusion, but I'm like, Oh cool. Visual symmetry. Really neat. <laughs> um, another thing was he's like the pod racers going one way. Uh, Ren's tie interceptors, like hurling the other way and everything like that. So, Oh, so they're like, think they're like bookending is what it's the phrase Brian used. So they're like, he like, so you know how you have books yeah, and yeah, yeah. you put the books uh-huh. and the stories in the center. So that's kind of interesting. So like it may have like been like a visual flip, but they definitely use that trailer as, um, you know, it was inspiration. Yeah, I mean, there's been um, calls to North by Northwest and the symmetry between the yes. opening and that movie. Um, and then I've also seen people, which we didn't mention, which I felt kind of dumb for not mentioning this as a possibility of that opening shot with Ray and Ky- and what we assume to be Kylo Ren in his tie interceptor flying towards her uh that may be the same location that we see poe and finn and c-3po on their own you know adventure and escape oh so yeah for it sure. could be they've been split up that's why ray's out of breath because she's been running across the desert and now boom here comes kylo mm-hmm. or some other first order person yeah very cool well you can like catch up um on all of these tweets and things and observations about the trailer um that we are curating on our Twitter page at friends in film. But if you're looking for that emergency episode podcast or just reviews of previous star Wars movies, mm-hmm. there are five, four, four, four reviews yes. and loads of other things that of star Wars content. You can find that on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere podcasts can be found. But if you can on Apple podcast, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us. And then we can find more friends of the show. That's correct. Uh, before we get into, uh, we're not going to have any more Star Wars talk because, as you mentioned, we already did an hour-long discussion on it. So before we get into the news and our main review this week of Missing Link, Josh, is there anything else you watched this week that uh, the listeners should know about? Oof. Yeah. Uh, I watched so much this week, from Marvel movies to just random things. Okay. What, what's, what's the one that you really need to call out guava island oh, okay you did check it out donald glover's um i guess it, it, donald glover and uh hero mori's i guess f- debut feature it's too long to be a short yeah it's only like, it's only like an hour 56 minutes oh c- complete runtime it stars himself and rihanna mm-hmm. and they're both incredibly charming and sweet you're gonna like smile the entire time because it's just it's a quiet island movie that kind of edges on being a thriller like it flirts with it but it's not really okay and it just serves as a way for him to sort of um lace his music into a narrative 
uh, when all is said and done. It won't take up much of your time, but it's definitely the best thing on Amazon Prime. Um, it's shot in a four by six aspect okay. ratio. On looks like on you know real um, film, so totally cool. I loved it. Um, and if you love Childish Gambino's music, it's absolutely the thing you need to check out. I've heard Letitia Wright's also in this as well. That's right. It's right. She is. She's one of Rihanna's friends okay. at a um, at a factory, and oh, they're okay. like, and they have dance parties, breakout, and things like that. And she's exactly um, as charismatic and entertaining as you can remember. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Because I yeah. just watched uh, Black Panther again oh, last yes. night, so I'm just like, man, I love Letitia Wright. Mm-hmm. I love Winston Duke. The whole cast is just phenomenal. Just I just keep thinking, man, Ryan Coogler, you have such a tough task on your hands of writing the sequel because everybody's going to want 50 minutes of screen time for all of these different characters, and that's not going to be possible. So hats off to Ryan Coogler for a great movie. Good luck on the second one. Um, since we've already reviewed Black Panther, we've talked about it plenty on you know recaps mm-hmm. and everything else that we've done MCU-related. Uh, the only non-MCU and non-Missing Link movie I watched this week uh, was Big, the Tom Hanks oh. 1980s film, which I've, I've seen before. Um, okay. But it was just like, you know, I needed something to watch as I was kind of going to sleep and everything. And I was like, you know, I haven't seen Big in a couple of years now and it's super charming and I'm, you know, we're fresh off Shazam, which has the big elements to it for sure. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll pop this in and check it out. And it's still so good. Tom Hanks is just he does such a great job of playing that that youthfulness, but then also showing um, the mature, the extreme maturation that he has to go through at such a quick notice. Um, the romance is still kind of strange, for sure. Ultra um, creepy. But, you know, that's how it is. And it, you can't really blame the girl because she doesn't know. It's more just like, that's just really weird in hindsight. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. It's very much of the 80s. And that piano dance, I mean... I dare somebody to watch that and not just have a giant smile on their face because mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. I did, it didn't hit me until now that they actually tossed a giant piano into Shazam Yeah, for that very thing. And I'm like, ah, clever. Yep. There they did it. They got it. Um, but now that we've got that out of the way, Missing Link is the movie we're here to review. It's the latest movie from Leica Animation, uh, which is a great animation studio, which has brought us uh, most recently Kubo and the Two Strings, but also Paranorman, uh, Box Trolls, and several other uh, great animated stop-motion movies. And this one, I think, is a nice addition to their Pantheon, even though, admittedly, I've only seen Kubo and the Two Strings, to my knowledge, so I can't say where it exactly stacks up with the rest of them, but from what I've heard, the rest of the library is very good as well just like Kubo was so I had high expectations going in even though this was not directed by Travis Knight as Kubo was but I think Chris Butler the director does this really solid job here of giving us another quick fun lighthearted, quippy uh, just adventure that Leica seems that they've really put their stamp on over the last couple of movies the voice cast between Zach Galifianakis, Hugh Jackman, and Zoe Saldana are great. They all do fantastic jobs of bringing these characters to life. And uh, it's also just very, very funny. Like, I was surprised by how funny it was. And it made me a little bummed that I was in a theater with, like, six people. Because Aww. I was like, this movie, I feel like I need to experience it with 100. Because me and this one other girl were the only people that were, like, audibly laughing. <laughs> and I was like, I feel dumb because... 
I'm the only one that's making these noises. That and, is so disappointing. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to stop from enjoying this movie to the fullest because it really had just some really, really clever moments that really caught me by surprise. And I just was really laughing. There was one uh, moment, particularly near the end, that Emma Thompson says that I was just cracking up at because <laughs> just the, the lunacy of what she is saying. Uh, <laughs> I I think she has some of the best lines, actually, she does. too. She, she's a late addition to the film, but she is so good in the movie as well. Um, even though it is a limited role, the movie does breeze by very quickly, which I appreciate. It's only like 90 minutes long. And so the story is quick and it's tight and the, the laughs keep it moving. But I also think that this can be as great as this is kind of troublesome at the same time, because for me, Kubo and the two strings worked really well because I really got to understand those characters a lot. And I think that movie is more like 140, 145 or something. So it's a little longer. And I think that may have actually helped Missing Link because the characters in the movie, I didn't feel as strong of a connection to. And then their arcs and some of their, uh, some of their growth, their, the growing pains that they go through in the movie, I don't totally buy based on how little we've seen of them going on this journey so far. So I maybe would have liked to see a little more of that. And I can elaborate on that in spoilers if need be. Um, but the real case in point of this, as much as I liked Zoe Saldana's, you know, voice performance in the role, her character was so wishy-washy in how she viewed Jackman's that mm-hmm. she was the one I was just like, I, I, you're going one way this scene, the next scene you're the complete opposite, and I'm just not sure how to take you as a character. And that's where I feel like if we got to spend more time with them, it really would have helped. Also, the villains I thought were pretty weak and. One, the main hunter guy is supposed to be one of the best you know trackers in the business and you know he does a good job tracking the gang down but he is like a terrible he's terrible in execution like he there's so many opportunities for him to take down uh susan mm-hmm. the uh <laughs> sasquatch or uh jackman's character and like he just doesn't do it he just he's just always waiting for the next chance i'm just like yeah this could have been over 15 minutes into the movie and Obviously, I don't want that to happen because I really liked how the movie progressed. But mm-hmm. I think there's a really nice foundation to the film. But just the execution of all of the story uh, maybe could have been expanded upon and probably helped out a lot. But I still enjoyed it for the most part. Um, and I'm going to give it three and a half ticket stubs out of five. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you like in a lot of things the same ways. I uh, I like a, this movie a lot. Aha. See, there we go. There we go. I was using it. I had it ready. <laughs> Locked and loaded. Uh, it, for first and foremost... I love different. I love stop motion animation. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons I was just so enthralled with Into the Spider Verse earlier is because it borrowed some of those elements by um, removing motion blur mm-hmm. uh, entirely, and that was so cool. And here you have these kind of same things, but kind of but done with you know physical dolls, so you can get like a sharpness to them, and then they do some animation with their um, with do some CG over top mm-hmm. to kind of like create some clarity with visual expressions and things like that and that's all so perfect and eye-popping and for like three-fourths of the movie you are looking at beautiful landscapes um from the north pacific forest where Mm -hmm. we find and meet susan um it's just funny i know it's it's, it's great and as susan zach galifianakis is the most like or mr link he is so huggable and Mm -hmm. warm this is of all the keyest movies Missing Link is the most huggable kid, kind of kid friendly. There's some dark, there's some dark edges to it. Yeah, there's some dark edges to it, uh, but that they could you know get behind and enjoy in like so many ways, and that's what I really really like about it. It's like you said, funny, 
every 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 two minutes there's a there's some gag that you will just be thinking about uh, end over end over end, um, especially just like you know all of. Um, Sir Lionel Frost's like 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 the fish out of water aspect yeah. of it is taken to such absurd and great lengths that make it terrific. Um, but once you kind of get over all of those elements and into like the heart of the story, it's where things kind of melt and fall apart. Ironically, when they get to the Himalayas, where mm-hmm. the Yetis are supposed to you know become his new family and all of these aspects, and it turns into platitudes rather than like some of the. Um, more mature things that Paranorman, Kubo and the Two Strings, um, and Coraline to some extent, you know, get at in a lot of ways. And this just becomes really cliche of, oh, we'll be your family now, or you have a mixed family, or you're, you're, you find family somewhere else mm-hmm. and acceptance somewhere else of being different. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess that's really simple, but, you know, this was a little bit of a letdown all the way through there. Um, and like you said, Emma Thompson definitely you know, makes that ending enjoyable and entertaining. And like in a, um, because the movie clips, it's hard to really hold anything ultra against it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, but like you said, like nothing really resonates about the heart of the story. It's just a lot of jokes um, and wit um, out the wazoo, but that's all. And I'm going to go ahead and just agree with you. Um, three and a half, take a subset of five. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a super enjoyable movie. I can recommend it to anybody to go see because I think they can do so, have a good time. But I think, as you kind of mentioned, there's that lack of a great emotion. There's, uh, there's, not, there's not that emotional point to the movie, whereas like Kubo, I think, has a couple of those strong points. Right, Galifianakis' voice is the heart of the story and just sort of his um, sort of timid but overeager and earnest performance as mm-hmm. Susan and like that's the that's the adorableness of it and the literal quality that he takes of, yes throw this rope over the wall okay <laughs> where'd the rope go I, I, I did what you did it's over the wall or mm-hmm. can I can I crack open the window to get the breeze in sure right. you just punch the hole right in it's yeah, just like right. it, it was kind of like you know remind me of Drax the Destroyer from the MCU just right everything yes. nothing goes over my head mm-hmm. I, my, my reflexes are too quick I'd catch it <laughs> right. and that it's not played to that extent here but there are certainly those literal moments that provide a lot of comedy for missing link yeah which is which is perfect um but outside of that you just don't really have anything else other than to grab onto that you can't get on a really cheaply produced disney channel show Mm -hmm. or nick jr or whatever the case is that's what that was like the real um disparity or no no this disheartening part of it i guess um stephen fry as piggle Piggleby Dunce, or no, sorry, Lord Pigot Dunceby, like, w- which is a fantastical name. Uh, I loved it t- to death. Uh, like, he's, he's, he's great. He's, he's great as being like this, like, uh, hoity-toity, um, historical society or natural society, like, villain, like, yeah. you know, producer guy. But, um, yeah, like, he, you don't really feel menace from him or stank, no. right? Yes, yeah. That's the guy's name, right? Which is like, there's, like, there's great names, but... Um, even um, Frost and Fortnite's like relationship is just so bad. Like you said so back and forth and mm-hmm. uneven that you're just sort of like when you get to the end of it, you're like, well, okay, that just seems like a stretch, or not even a stretch because I know it's a kids animation right. or younger animation film. But at the same time, you're just like now we're just throwing all cliches at the wall. Right. I mean, let's just move into spoilers, I guess, so we can just oh. dive in yes. furthermore. But like, yeah, I didn't buy that. You know, he like 
so when we meet Fortnite or is that her name? Yes. So when we meet her, I know. I was it like, feels wait, a little yeah. Uh, I'm throwing kids, Nick. <laughs> exactly. Kids, things. What are things kids like? Fortnite. Yeah, Fortnite. All right, let's make her the girl. I'll, wait, uh, okay. Uh, but like when we first meet her, like she is grieving the loss of her husband. But then there's a past relationship with Hugh Jackman's character, and it's like he's very much trying to charm his way to get the map and find the Yetis and all this stuff. But then as like she makes it very clear she's like no i'm not like i'm not interested in you at all but then as the movie progresses there's like moments where they have that connection and then the next moment she's so cold to him that i'm like wait what happened in between like on these two days of travel you guys have been on together mm-hmm. and then when the movie ends it's like ah oh, great like there there's the googly eyes here we go and then it breaks away from it again she's like no i'm gonna go be my own person like wait <laughs> you're sending so many mixed messages of the character that i just i don't again i don't know who she is and what she really wants other than, Oh, it's now it's my turn to right. do this for myself. It was just so flat. Yeah. And, and, and she was, she's just clear like an adding or you know, like, you know, as a supporting character yeah. with no other arc other than to be like, I love you, but I don't love you yeah. back and forth. It's like, so Saldana could have like, you know, ran the show on this movie right. or, you know, just like let her be just awesome without, mm-hmm. you know, throwing her into Hugh Jackman's arms or going back and forth yeah. with it. It's just like, Come on, I would rather have him like him and Susan lock arms and go off into the <laughs> woods together, or something like that. I mean, you can still have this character, but like the 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 need that this movie felt like it needed to like make her a semi romantic interest. It just felt like unneeded. Like there's like you can have that past relationship with them and have that be the backstory to what we see in the movie. But I don't think there's any there's no benefit to the flirtation on and off again that happens throughout the movie. Like if it was just very straightforward, if, listen, that happened, it broke apart. That's fine. Now we're working together because she wants to do this to honor her husband's name. And he wants to do this to honor his previous friend or something like mm-hmm. you can do this a different way and have, I think a better emotional payoff for both characters instead of just being like, Oh, all right. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it's kind of just a flat explanation and uh, an ending. Yeah, great point. But, um, I mean, the one line that I mentioned before that I just want to please, mention. Please, uh, I knew what you were saying. I knew you what Emma Thompson says, the people we don't want here are leaving. Force them to stay. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> right. like, I was like, that is so good. And I was just, I was busting up laughing because how many, like, we see this so many times in movies where it's like, all right, kidnap these people and force them here. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, now they're leaving. All right, go get them. And it's just like, <laughs> right. but nobody ever addresses, like, the ridiculous aspect of it is like we must keep them here because we don't want them to leave <laughs> it was the it was the it was the one moment i was kind of waiting for for it to be like really meta mm-hmm. and just and that i just i lost it like you were talking about how you're being alone like yeah. i had a decent amount of people in my theater and like that was the line that like brought down the house um and all sorts of other ways because she's like the yeti elder yeah and like it was like emma thompson's voice coming from that to what the situation was was totally perfect yeah i mean is there anything else that we need to get into here on missing link i mean there really isn't um just in terms of like look Leica is really pushing the envelope i think in terms of like animation yeah i mean the opening sequence i was like whoa although finding the Loch Ness monster and doing all the underwater stuff. I was like, this is look, this looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I love how you mentioned the multiple landscapes we see as this is like an Indiana Jones esque adventure across the world. Like, yeah, they, they nailed the whole thing. It's a real flex as the kids say, <laughs> but like it just, like when we get to the Himalayas, everything becomes like icy and white mm-hmm. and pretty flat, like an undynamic. And so with the, the waterfalls where like that final struggle, you know, right. things kick up and look really cool. Um, and so that's why I like my, 
only like real reference point is just like think like there's a lot of push i would love now to see other studios just adopt you know um high risk medium budget animation pioneer like things mm-hmm. because more things like Leica yeah. or Spider-Verse or Pixar is falling into a like once on the forefront it's like falling into a groove and mm-hmm. that's kind of being copied and adopted by a lot of people yeah I mean that's what like you think of Pixar Illumination Disney movies mm-hmm. um, most Sony things Warner Brothers animation like there's a lot of these shows that just adopted the main this is what animation looks like and we're right. totally fine with it but yeah like if we can get more innovation or more just stop motion or other looks or feels like that'd be great. It's really like you just, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and whatever form that can be in, who cares? But like when you definitely stop and you notice the detail and the sets and everything like that in movies like this, where as opposed to um, other animation, you're really just focusing on story at this point. And we've kind of lost the luster. Like they're still doing awesome mm-hmm. stuff. And like, I have no clue how to even animate, you know, like a pong ball or whatever the case <laughs> is, you know, in code. So whatever they're doing, fantastic. But, you know, different things call for different times and measures and all jazz like that. Right. So. Like, like, I don't think when we, like, when Toy Story 4 comes out in July or June or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to be sitting here discussing it and being like, wow, that animation was mind-blowing. Yeah. Because we've already seen the template before in previous Toy Story movies, but we also have seen the marketing. It's just like, this is just, again, just very in-house Pixar-style stuff that, yeah, Leica has an in-house style too of doing stop motion animation mm-hmm. layovers, but they're still like, they're the only ones that are doing this on a, a medium budget form. Like everybody else, it's like, I mean, there's a couple other smaller stop motion stuff that happens mm-hmm. every now and then, but for the most part, they are the only ones that are doing this routinely. Yeah. And if more people want to do that, I'd love to see a Pixar stop motion movie or something like that. That'd be incredible. For sure. Or yeah. 2D animated, you know, Pixar movie. Like just change it up. There's nothing wrong with it. That would be wild. With 2D. Just like, just flat. Like old cartoon style. <laughs> like 8-bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super Mario animation. There we go. But yeah, that's like the really only big like um, thing I have to say. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there's there's some thematic elements to the movie that I think are good in foundation but again the execution i think they could have hammered a home of all right both of these people our main characters want to find a home somewhere where they're not accepted yep, to fit in and then they don't and then they have to accept that loss and then find home somewhere else but again i just think the it's a, when they try to sell that emotional moment on the bridge it's too on the nose and i think there's just again there's other ways where i think chris butler as mentioned does a pretty good job as a director mm-hmm. maybe this is his he also directed paranormans which i again i, yeah, I can't directed. i can't okay so i can't speak to the quality of his work in that movie but i think somebody like maybe travis knight you know maybe that's just because i'm hot and off bumblebee and kubo but i feel like he or somebody else would have been able to figure out a better way to send this movie off on an emotional high note instead of just like a, oh okay that was a good time precisely but uh i think that's all we got to say on missing link we both give it three and a half ticket stubs out of five. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. No, but I'm not too sure what I'm always searching for. But I'm searching each day till the day gets late and I wake up on the floor. But I don't know just where that river flows. Yeah, all I see that's guiding me is the fuzz on the end of my nose. Oh, but I believe in destiny or whatever it is that brought a friend like you. Say, da 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 da
interactive news and is also talking with our three main topics this week, kicking off with a DCEU topic pertaining to the Shazam sequel, officially, not officially, it's pretty much confirmed to be happening according to the rap as they reported that henry gaden the co-writer behind the original shazam movie is returning to write the script for a sequel they also reported that director david f sandberg is expected to return as well as producer uh peter saffron so looks like the whole gang is coming back together for shazam 2 this comes only a week after the movie debuted in theaters so we both really like that movie a lot josh uh me more than you but are you happy to see that Gaiden and looks like the whole crew is coming back? Yeah, absolutely. I am like, I one one thing I will say about Shazam was like before it got like, you can go back to our review, mm-hmm. but it was great. It was hilarious as anything, as any superhero movie I've ever actually seen. Um, and it, it raged against the form as much as possible before succumbing to it, <laughs> which is noble and applaudable all the way through. Um, and to see that everyone's coming back means that something of equal quality or better will come through unless it just, you know, goes off the rails like a right. Raimi Spider-Man 3 situation or something like that. <laughs> I think that. that's a little different. There's no Avi Arad in this. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely I am. And, like, uh, becoming a um, Sandberg fan mm-hmm. because I listened to one interview with him and he seems like he's a great dude. Yeah. And also he's, like, really seeped in genre movies and horror and I uh, like – people that like that mm-hmm. and he just seems like he's so surprised by his success and like can't happen i don't think it could happen to like a nicer dude so yeah that's what i'm excited about but also like zachary levi is gonna get to be shazam again mm-hmm. and that's what we should all be happy about yes absolutely i mean gaden is the uh sole screenplay credit on shazam but he got story by credit uh co-credit with darren lemke so now it looks like Henry will just take this on all by himself, uh, which, again, could be great. We don't know what parts of Shazam were his ideas, what parts were Lemke's, what parts were Sandberg's. Um, but it's great to see that Warner Brothers in D.C. early on are already like, listen, this movie's success. It's made over $200 million worldwide in you know just over a week's time. So it's a no-brainer to bring them back. And with a smaller budget than a normal superhero movie, there's really no reason to doubt this movie's going to be a huge success if it isn't already one um, for Warner Brothers internally. So it makes a lot of sense to bring all these guys back. Uh, I really couldn't be um, you know, more happy about the whole situation. And I know the podcast you're referring to is uh, the, uh, big picture, the big picture on the ringer. Sean fantasy. Um, and I listened to that too. And the part of that, that, kind of caught my attention the most was that you know he comes from a horror background of lights out and annabelle creation but these are the movies he always wanted to make he wants to make big fun you know blockbusters and i that isn't what i expected because like, he wants he, to please people he right said. like he wants to make crowd pleasing movies instead of like yeah. dark like you know terrifying films and i was like oh that's interesting because like you know that's how he made a start and so you would assume for mm-hmm. a lot of people how you begin your career is what you ultimately want to do in some ways even though i also know that like horror and low budget stuff is the easiest way to get your foot in the door yeah i it, it, like it, but like i also say like it's kind of the same though too because it's just like horror like you just like because like lights out absolutely plays like pushes all the buttons that you're like woohoo too mm-hmm. in a lot of ways um even like though you're you know scaring yourself you know, to <laughs> death or whatever the case is so but yeah it is like it is it was it's crazy to know that he just flipped from horror to comedy and it seemed seamless yeah and that's like the ultimate shocker mm-hmm. in all of this yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's it's 
it's super impressive. And so, yeah, I'm glad to see that he's returning. And now that we're looks like we're gearing up for this movie to, you know, move forward again. What are you thinking timeline wise of when this movie is going to happen? I mean, we kind of touched on what we want to see from a Shazam sequel in the um, spoiler portion of our review last week. But is there anything else in terms of I want to see this DC character show up? I want it to take place this amount of years after the first movie. Um, is there anything like that that you're super you know, interested or specific in wanting to see? Uh, I can't remember what I said on the Shazam show, but I'm sure it was something like this where it triples down on comedy mm-hmm. and unique villainhood or just kind of just tries to break the form more than they've already started to do because that's what you can do now. But most importantly, I want to see the dynamics between the sh- – um, well, I guess that's spoilers, so it probably won't jump <laughs> into that far. But the, um, there's the ending sequence really um, looks to the Shazam world. Uh-huh. I would love to see them push the envelope with all the heroes that can be involved with that. And then also like some of the more DC people as yeah. well. Like who doesn't want to see Cavill's Superman show up and hang yeah, out with Shazam great. Or, or something like that. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman or even Jason Moe's Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Like there's like really anybody at this point. Stick him into the Justice League, if you will, but not like really into the right. Justice League, but let him have, let, let him have super friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally or figuratively. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would absolutely love to see, you know, them bring in like a actual DC character more because without getting into spoilers, like the element that Shazam introduces at the end, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a tough thing to keep up for an entire sequel. If that possibly is out there, I feel like we're going to have to limit that in some ways. But if he is meeting other superhero people in the time that passes between Shazam and when the sequel would uh, potentially take place, then there's opportunities for him to, you know, hey, um, Wonder Woman, I have this problem. Can you come help me out? And she's like, sure, why not? You know, Shazam, I'll come, I'll come save you. We can team up and we can save the world that way. I think that'd be a really fun way to keep this movie involved with the larger DC universe, but also give it its own thing. And I'd love to see specifically Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman play in this super lighthearted tone that Sandberg has established for this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Because and the obvious attraction that there would be between a teenage kid and Billy Batson as Shazam looking at, you know, Diana Prince, one woman. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And like that would I just I know Zachary Levi would crush the awkward mm-hmm. flirtation that Sandra would write into any encounter between the two. of them. Yeah. And, or just the idea that one, now that one woman and Patty Jenkins character and like that whole thing is just so now like allowed to be detached mm-hmm. from um, the earlier you know tone and mood of the dc mm-hmm. like dropping her in there and letting gal gadot be a little more lighthearted and charming that like, um as she gets to be in those few moments in wonder woman mm-hmm. you know like arriving in london and just being like "Ooh, what's that and like yeah. that back and forth like that'll be terrific yeah for sure um and now so dwayne johnson aka the rock is also a producer on the first movie I don't know if he'll serve that capacity again on the sequel, but he was already praising the box office, box office performance of the movie after its first weekend, hyping up that his Black Adam movie could potentially be gearing up to film here in about a year, that he's really excited about the project, that he's really um, interested in wanting to see him and Shazam go toe-to-toe, but also for the Black Adam to face off against the entire DC lineup of heroes. So... Now that we're hearing that Shazam's getting, it's got a screenwriter, it's moving forward, 
the whole creative team looks to be returning and Johnson is hyping up his Black Adam, are we going to see Black Adam in a sequel or are we just going to get a tease or nothing? I think they'll probably keep teasing. I really don't expect to, to see Black Adam in Shazam 2. Just because it seems like that's a, you know, the cumulative effort of like, you know, that's the culmination of Shazam. It's him fa- facing off with like the greatest enemy, the opposite of himself. Mm-hmm. And right? a former, you know, version of Shazam basically. Right. Um, I feel like the second one would be some kind of other Shazam villain. Yeah, I mean, there there are some teases at the end of the first movie that where it looks like that's where they're going to go. Um, so I I don't yeah like I don't expect Black Adam to be the central villain mm-hmm. of Shazam two, but I think there will be nods to his eventual rival and probably them clashing in a third film or something. The, like ne- the next time a name drop possibly would be yeah. like called for. I could see that because like the more they hype because this movie did really well Mm -hmm. and so of course they're going to want to break it up and spread it out and then just like you said hype the rocks entrance into the franchise yeah no i think that that makes complete sense um and yeah we're both really excited about shazam 2 hopefully we get some more official word on it in the near future as we have now received word on the future of the tomb raider franchise as deadline reports that mgm and Warner brothers are finally moving forward on a tomb raider sequel amy jump has been hired to write the script Uh, she has previously written ben wheatley's free fire and high rise films and alicia vikander will return to star but there's no word on if director roar uthog will do the same so i was a very big fan of tomb raider in the fact of like it's a really fun movie it's obviously not perfect there are Mm -hmm. flaws to it but it's i think it's super enjoyable and Vikander's performance as Laura Croft, I think, is just so good that she just embodies that role. And so I was really hoping that this would happen. And so now that we have word that Tomb Raider 2 is on the move, I couldn't be more excited. I Amy Jump's screenwriting credits are a mixed bag for me. Uh, I really enjoyed Free Fire, but High Rise I was not a huge fan of. So if she is jumping on board this project i'm interested to see what her take is specifically apparently vikander's happy with it from what she's heard uh that that was according to the deadline article but um i think it's very cool that you know they're moving this movie forward again and hopefully we get some more news on it soon because i don't want to wait super long to see uh, a new addition to this franchise sure um and i kind of i i I am all in on Ben Wheatley's movies. Uh-huh. Um, I have seen Kill List. It's okay. it's a little bit more dark and grim um, than than um, Free Fire, mm-hmm. but it's got those quips and like it's it, there's there's definitely wit, strong all the way throughout it. So if you just like turn the contrast and the saturation up on like you know on the colors of a movie, <laughs> like you'd be like, oh, it's comedy now. Like I can laugh a little bit more heartily, and so that'll be the case. I was just kind of okay with tomb raider mm-hmm. it didn't get in the way it didn't um it, it wasn't what it sold itself as which delighted me like you know just like a you know a, a high action you know dwayne the rock johnson cg explosion fest everything felt and looked practical and cool um a lot of the way through it just kind of uh fell into these ruts of story and exposition and mm-hmm. setup that you just wish would get out of the way and you know open up into i think nick frost is a cameo in that movie yeah is yeah, he he's, the he's the pawn shop owner yep right yeah i just wish like, that world was more interesting than um the 
I guess wherever, whatever island the, they opened to us. And then the with. corporation that yes. is behind the whole thing. And the overarching villainry that this series decided to go for, at least in that one film, they could just forget about yeah, it. Yeah, they the could brush movie. that aside. I could care less about it. That's that's the opening 15 minutes is her taking down the previous establishment, <laughs> yes. like, clean slate, right, <laughs> move yep. forward. On to like more, um, you know, just, just soul adventure-esque, because at least Alicia Vikander is, uh, she is, she's more charismatic than, and like, you know, um, entertaining than Mm -hmm. anything else. And so getting her, like removing her from like the grim overlord of it all and just letting it be adventure films would be great. Um, but Amy Jump seems to be signaling in that direction, like just writing the wit and having fun kind of like infused in it with that mood and tone still there, but I'm all for it. I don't know who they could get to direct. Um, do you, would you want to see Roar Uthog return or no, are you interested he did in somebody the last else? one and I didn't really enjoy <laughs> that, but I didn't really think of anyone who would love to like, you know, stick in there right away. Um, like K can't, I mean, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself here, <laughs> but like, there are like people that I think like could totally jump on this. Mm-hmm. But, um, other than that, I really don't have any, um, you know, English direct English minded directors to jump on this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure, and I wonder if I, I think that's a good point that you mentioned about Jump's, um, you know, history with screenwriting that she is more of a comedically inclined or quirky uh, writer in that sense. And so, if that like, is the like High Rise has so many just moments like yeah, that. we're like this is grim, but like that's funny. <laughs> uh-huh. And then Free Fire has a lot of those moments too, where it's you know that's just a madhouse they're just middle of shootouts but people are throwing one-liners out there and there's twists and turns and so if she's bringing that sort of energy both you know visceral and comedic uh to the Tomb Raider franchise I think that would be a really nice progression for the franchise to go down although I will say this real quick I would love to see Michelle McLaren jump across the pond and direct this hmm interesting I feel like that's her style maybe I mean yeah I'm not gonna say no to Michelle McLaren Alicia Vikander team-up film, but... Game of Thrones, Westworld, uh, Walking Dead. Like, those moods fit that. Mm-hmm. And then if you have Amy writing, I think you'd be good there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see the previous Tomb Raider movie was written by Gina Robertson-Dwart and Aja Stair sedan So th- this is going to be a completely different take on the film. So I'm interested to see, as I mentioned, where we go from here. Because I, I would rather... Um, like to see them expand the world more and i think based on just the box office returns that this movie made about 275 million dollars and over 215 of that came overseas i would not be surprised if wb and mgm just lean into the international appeal and make this more of a globe trotting adventure instead of you know spending a lot of time in like london or you know just telling the setup and all this stuff because all that stuff's out of the way so now we can just go full-on Laura Croft out in the wilderness doing her thing. Have fun. Yeah, it. right. I didn't clock the film, but it was like 30 minutes in London on, on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually you get to the island, but then it just flies to the end right mm-hmm. there and you're done. Yeah. So I think I think that's probably uh, one way we can move forward with that franchise. And as, for, as far as the director goes, I if if Rory Thog does return, I'm cool with that. I thought he does a he did a capable job with the first movie. Um even though I, I do think there are improvements to be made. And if we're, I mean, I don't care if it's female or male, just get whoever's the best person for the job at this point. But I mean, if you're going, if you're trying to maybe liven it up and get more of Laura's personality out of the film, is, and then instead of relying so heavily on the, on an action standpoint, Kelly Freeman Craig is somebody I've been championing a lot. Um, and she would be, a, this would be a very different take for her to 
go after edge of 17, but jumping from that to a mid budget to mid to higher budget, you know, action film, I think that would be a, a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody, maybe that like Alicia would be like, you know, I want to, you know, get this person involved. Like, you know, I doubt like she's going to pick, Hey, Alex Garland, you want to come direct my Tomb Raider movie? <laughs> uh, like, I, I just don't think that's going to happen, but I mean, I think there's, it'd be all about that. I, it would, it would be fantastic. I just don't see that happening. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do we go like Can Guy, Guy Ritchie? If Kerry <laughs> Fukunaga wasn't tied down in Bond right now, I feel like he would be perfect too. That'd be that'd be interesting. I mean, and I mean Bond comes out next year. We don't know what the timeline is for this movie either. So there's obviously a lot of time left before we're going to figure out who is next up. I mean, we could get somebody like Nikki Caro directed, Ava DuVernay, um, Amasante, D. Rees. I mean, there's a lot of different options out there that you know MGM and Warner Brothers could go down. Reed Morano, say rhythm section really hits big at That's the end of the right. year. I think she could make a a transition up to here potentially. So we'll have to obviously wait and see. And this is still in the early stages at this point, but I'm very excited to see a Tomb Raider sequel moving forward. Um, But THR also reported this week that uh, Ryan Coogler is set to rewrite the script of uh, Space Jam 2 with searching writer Sev Ohanian. Uh, And along with that rewrite, they also reveal that Bradford Young is set to serve as a cinematographer on this film. So we already knew that Coogler was being a producer on the film, but now we know He's writing it along with Ohanian, and Young is shooting the film. So the quality that Space Jam 2 is going for, I think, on paper, looks to be a little higher than the original movie we got with Michael Jordan, yes? Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, like, granted, I wasn't around in the 80s, so those guys could have been like, whoa, him? You know, whatever <laughs> the case is. When people say, um, the Empire Strikes Back director, Ivan... I, I was going to say Ivan Reitman, but I was like, I don't think that's right. Uh, Ivan Kirshner? Ivan Kirshner, thank you so much. I don't know why I've been linking on it. Um, like, maybe he was, like, a big deal, and I was just like, eh. Who cares or whatever the case is like I don't know Ivan um, Spielberg is the only one that matters I guess from the 80s him and John right? Hughes oh, that's not true um, <laughs> but these are names that are just crushing it in every sense of the word Ohanian is like like the lesser extent but also searching is killer and that movie depends on its script for so much it, I mean you there's no spectacle it's just all right there on the screen right so if that sucks you're gonna notice <laughs> Um, but of course, like Ryan Coogler, Bradford Young, there isn't a whole lot to say other than whatever those two are thinking about together. Mm-hmm. Um, for I guess they haven't worked together yet. That's so weird. But yeah, Coogler and Young, like I feel, I just feel like we've been yeah, talking it, about it, them in the same breath a lot lately. It's, yeah, it's a strange pairing for them to suddenly come together on this movie. Because, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, there's no writing history with them. There's no, neither of them have a history with LeBron or, or anything. So there's no like, oh, I've already worked with you, so let's pull you in to rewrite on the script. It's just, yeah, they're, this is how it happened. They're <laughs> totally the best, and whatever Bradford is thinking about or cooking up, like, like my my hope here is that there's something special to see, like in terms of how basketball is photographed in this movie. Like, cause it's going to turn into a CGI, not sure. fast, you know, when the looting tunes come up, but, but at least originally everything around it could be like epic in all Brad style mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And that's what I'm hoping we get out of this and that it doesn't just like, you know, break him and we never see him, you know, <laughs> DP ever again, because that would be terrible. That would be, that would be terrible. And I, I, I hope that's not the case, obviously. And I think with Coogler and Ohanian, uh, doing the rewrite on the script, I am 
very curious of what their intention to do with the script is because we've heard that the focus is not as much on the monsters and like like former NBA players don't have as large a role in this movie as the as they did in the original 1993 film 96 it's one of the two I think yeah um but we do know that uh 96 96? okay perfect uh we also but we do know that uh i'm totally blanking on her name from walking dead and star trek discovery at the moment who just last week or so joined space jam 2 sequoia green uh shaniqua martin green yes uh yeah so she joined um and what we've heard is that the family between that because she's gonna play the wife to lebron that they're more the focus of the film instead of the nba lifestyle you know take that the first movie went so i'm interested if maybe that's what coogler and ohanian are bumping up is they're increasing more the family dynamic and there's supposed to be one of lebron's sons is supposed to be not his actual son but the son in the movie is supposed to be the the co-lead of the film basically so i wonder if they're just you know trying to make that family dynamic click a lot better because it's obviously a strength of coogler and ohanian what he did with searching really makes you care about that family a lot so I won't be surprised if that's the direction they're going. They're just punching up character at this point, especially with production set to begin in June or July. There's not a lot of time for them to completely overhaul the script. That's true. (laughs) So I think that's probably the extent of the rewrite at this point. But we also heard from THR that the reason that Shaniqua Martin-Green and LeBron are the only stars at this point is because shoe contracts, of all things, are holding up the casting process for NBA players uh, because Nike has a big hand in the space jam franchise because they are the like one of their commercials is the basis for the original space jam concept in the first place mm-hmm. so and with lebron obviously nike's biggest star at this point um they are trying to get mainly just nike athletes involved in movies that means no james harden it means no steph curry and even kevin durant who is a nike customer apparently is not going to be involved either because of I think he has other things going on this summer or he'll probably be playing the finals at this point. Like, I don't know. Uh, finals anticipation, the contract, right? The contract negotiation said to go through it, but also he probably doesn't want to play second fiddle to LeBron and LeBron's movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where, what are we looking at? NBA stars. Anthony Davis is a Nike star. I feel like that makes a lot of sense, especially with Laker rumors. Are they going to go get Zion to be in here and just, you know, <laughs> latch onto the hopeful start that he's going to have once he gets to the NBA. Like, there's not a lot. There's, I mean, there are still several options, but we are eliminating top tier stars from the possibility of being in Space Jam. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, like Paul George is still around. Kyrie Irving could get roped mm-hmm. in there somehow. Yeah. Him and LeBron apparently back on good terms. Yeah. The, um, Kyrie may meet with the Lakers this summer, according to rumors. So that would, that would be fascinating. <laughs> with Tyrone Rue already headed there. Yeah, there's going to be do Cavs two point What a nuts already yeah, offseason. The, the Lakers are wow. They're fucking crazy story like yeah zion williamson you could toss him on there um kobe will probably be kept away from the movie for a lot of reasons um russell westbrook Mm -hmm. could jump in there and Giannis is a nike customer but he's already said that he passed on the role (laughs) really yeah we we totally casted him didn't we Uh, yeah we we definitely jump back to that because like he just seems like the prototypical if you're if you're a monster and you're coming here 
you would go after the Greek freak because he's literally, mm-hmm. uh, he's basically an alien because like he, <laughs> right. like he just doesn't, there, there's no world where he should be able to exist and be as talented as he is as basketball as he actually is. Like, it's just, yeah. it's mind blowing. <laughs> and, but I mean, he's doing well for himself. He's doing the Hulu uh, commercials or, right. uh, so Giannis is branching out on his own terms, I guess, doesn't need space jam Two to <sighs> catapult him to start him, I guess. Well, yeah. Good for him though. But yeah, um, it definitely whittles down anyone that you could use i mean unless you want to go grab shack um a bunch of a retired athlete like that oh my gosh what if what if space jam 2 is actually an uncle drew sequel as well and (laughs) you just get the whole old gang caleb caleb getting involved is highly likely i feel like just because him and braun were on such good terms yeah and he pushed for that he pushed for that is he he a nike man i believe so yeah i'm not sure i think he's just like he's like low-key tier three nike maybe Kevin Love. Nike. Then also like, because Jordan Jordan brand is part of Nike, but are Jordan brand people on the table? It, it depends on Cause then, cause what then you, you get, say. Like, Russell or Chris Paul or. I don't know the dynamic at Nike, but I feel like they would be able to be incorporated. You'd think so. But I, you know, like I said, like Russell Westbrook is Jordan brand. I think technically. Yeah. And That's so why is, I named so Chris him. Paul yes. and I mean, there's a bunch of other people over there, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, it will be very interesting to see who does join this movie at this point, considering mm-hmm. who has said we're not going to be in it, but and also the people who are like, well, we can't because we're not Nike. So, <laughs> right. Uh, limited options for Warner Brothers and for LeBron James, uh, but there are not limited options in Ticket or Skip it this week because we have a bunch of trailers, including the first trailer for Star Wars The Rise of the Skywalker, or The Rise of Skywalker, not The Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Very important distinction that I keep messing up. Uh, fighting with that, even though we're excluding. The Star Wars trailer because we already talked about it at length, so yeah. you guys can hear our thoughts. Get my and it would obviously get both of our tickets this week, anyways. You guys can hear our thoughts in that uh, previous emergency episode that we mentioned at the top of the show. But competing for our ticket this week is the first trailer for Stuber, the first trailer for the Adams Family, the second trailer for the Lion King, and the new trailer for the Secret Life of Pets Two. Josh, which one gets your ticket this week? Ridiculously enough, Stuber. <laughs> like I loved it. All the way through. Um, first of all, Dave Bautista is becoming like an actor. Like, I don't know if I was just pigeonholing him into like character, like just being the big tough guy uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Blade Runner was different, but I was like, okay, that was Denny Villeneuve. Maybe we'll just like give him a casting pass. He is acting in a straight, he's acting in a straight up straight man role um, with no hint of kitsch, but just like overboard tough guy attitude and then we have kamel who oh, i best. just i just want to like be like buddy it's okay hang in there <laughs> like you're like treat him like my son or something like that um karen gilligan popped up in this movie as well um, she's in this yes i totally missed that oh wow dude yeah, yeah, oh, then, yeah. like so um betty gilpin's also in this but i don't think she's in the trailer i did not see betty gilpin in this trailer um natalie morales is in there mm-hmm. as well um and so like all of these people that you know and will love are going to get like central roles and starring roles. And I'm just, I'm so excited for this because it's so stupid of an idea, but it's playing out in a ridiculous fashion that I really can't wait to see it on screen. And I'm usually not like hyped about comedies, mm-hmm. but this one looks like it has it. And I'm absolutely here for it. Yeah. I think the Stuber trailer looks 
super funny. The the gag at the end of throwing the gun at him and then <laughs> the guy catching it, hitting Batista and then throwing it back at Camille. That was, uh, I thought, really funny. And even a moment that I heard about beforehand because it had already premiered at South by Southwest. And That's the, right. That was one of the moments people were like, wow, that like even if the movie wasn't incredible, uh, people were really loving that moment. Cause it was something they hadn't seen before. So, and it's, it's a, it's a weird ticket to skip this week because Stuber was really good. The lion King new trailer was visually so stunning. Uh-huh. And we got, and it really just got at my heartstrings because I was like, Oh, there's all these iconic moments that I love. We get to see Timon and Pumbaa singing a little bit. We get to see the progression of them walking and, you know, maturing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, just give me, give me a little, give me a little taste of Donald Glover singing. Uh, just can't wait to be King or give me, give me Beyonce uh, singing, you know, can I feel love tonight? Just give me something. Uh-huh. And instead they, they relied heavily on Chua Telegia Four's mm-hmm. version of Scar, which I'm not, I still don't know how I completely feel about the redesign, but of I think, I'm, I, I think I'm going to give my ticket to Lion King cause I've already been talking about it enough. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, did you, did you have any, Instant reaction to Scar. Scar sounds like populist and like <laughs> like he's making some arguments and it's like obviously it's gonna lead him down the path of committing murder and right. eventual uh like I don't know genocide but just the pillaging of the Pride Lands. But I was like, whoa, this is really intriguing. <laughs> but uh, the animation, like you said, is so crisp and clear, and I'm loving it. We're not calling this live action anymore. Are we? <laughs> I'm not calling it okay. live action anymore. I've decided because it, it, it's. Jungle Book was because there was a kid in it. Yes, and they were they were on sets in many instances. Mm-hmm. And that's the tricky thing about Lion King is that John Favreau has been talking about how the technology has advanced to a point where they can now basically have virtual sets, virtual reality sets that like they can build and like do all this stuff. Like I don't know how it all works completely, but like. Mm-hmm. If they're if they are basing it on a virtual set and I just be like all right place this line over here place this over here yeah and it's just like regular animation they're style building space yeah because it's very it's, it's got to be spatially aware in some kind of ways yeah. to get what you're getting and so that's why camera. I'm not sure if it's animation or live action I think it's a very interesting topic and something that'll we need definitely to go to the... come up as uh-huh. once this movie gets closer to release but also once movie's out and if it lives up to the quality many are hoping myself included it, it is mm-hmm. uh the discussion is going to take place around award season of is liking a contender for best animated movie of the year um, or is it ineligible like that is where i think we'll really get into the weeds of what is what is not a live action animation movie yeah uh, it definitely looks good it's just like it was still like a teaser trailer for it again yeah. it's like Oh, I mean, like, listen, Ojafer, like, love you, dude, but I'm kind of here for Lover and Beyonce. Right. That, that that was that was the one downside. I was like, the okay. humming of Akuma and Matata at the end was great. Right. Like we like we get to see we get to hear a little bit of it, and I was like, all right, get to hear Billy Eichner and mm-hmm. Seth Rogen. I think I think they like not to say they both look good. I still want to put the the character design. They're are, fitting the role. Yes. And so as long as that translates, and it's it's kind of the set like you mentioned, it's basically another teaser, but it's the same marketing approach that they did with Aladdin where they released a teaser, not not really a lot of footage. They released another teaser that like gave us that one glimpse of Genie mm-hmm. and then they released the new trailer that like here's a lot more of the movie. And so I'm hoping then in like, you know, a month 
we get like the full, and here's the Lion King, and here's songs and voices and story, and even though we all pretty much know the story anyways, but mm-hmm. like, I want to hear Michael Keegan Key's hyena laugh, and like, I, there's so many. I can't just, wait to hear, I just can't wait to be king. I know. Like, you, that'll be the three songs, can't wait to be king, can you feel the love tonight, and then it'll go, ba-bum, and then, Gunamata, yeah. summer, boom, and, and then it'll say, you know. Obviously, they'll run down the list and like, and with original new songs by Beyonce. It's like, what? That would be such an awesome thing. I, I think she'll probably I, drop an album. I, th- I think I think that's happening. I think that's already confirmed that sh- her and uh, Glover mixed some stuff up. I don't know if it, uh, who who wrote the original Lion King songs. You no, know, I have no idea. Why would you even ask? That I don't know. Lion King songs, <laughs> but no, speaking, John, Elton John. Oh, did they? Oh, I, I, he I th- wrote "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," right? That's correct. Yes, but I think. Beyonce teamed up with somebody for new Lion King songs. I don't remember who it is, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's news for a different day. Yes, Elton John and Beyonce may make new music for Lion King. So I guess it's a may, but it's. I feel like that's a definitely happening in my book. I didn't know he. I knew he was on Candy Candy for the Love Night, obviously, mm-hmm. but I didn't know he was like involved everywhere else. Yeah, what an original. Mo- what a great original movie. Right? And then Hans Zimmer is coming back to the score, and his score sounds great again in this new trailer. It's just great. I can't wait for the movie. Let's move on, though, to the flyby. <laughs> We're loving, like, the original Lion King. I know. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's bound to. I mean, I don't know how much deviation John Favreau was going to take. I mean, I think it's just going to be more expanding upon the story because the first Lion King is, like, 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So and it's, and it, it it's great, but it's like, yeah, it'll show a lot more of maybe – the time before Mufasa dies. Like, we'll actually get to spend more time with James Earl Jones instead of, like, 10 minutes. That would be great. That would be fantastic. Um, but let's end this episode with the flyby, starting with a uh, news story you teased before, that coming from THR, where they reported that Kay Cannon will direct a modern reimagining musical of Cinderella, which will star pop star Camila Cabello. So uh, we are both big fans of Kay Cannon. Mm-hmm. You've been just bringing her up for every project. So now that she's has her next one, how are you feeling? I'm stoked. I am really, really stoked. It's number one, because it's another project for her after blockers, which like I would, I dinged and beat up before just loving entirely without even <laughs> knowing that she directed it. And then like, when I was like, that makes so much sense. She's so, she's so, she's like, in, she's in the mold of the one show that she worked on um, a while back, 30 rock. And like, that comedy is carrying over into everything else to the pitch perfect movies to this. And now she's got like her own voice going and now she's stepping it up into something more complex and robust. And I can't wait to see this. Like I'm legitimately excited for this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think Kay Cannon is super talented and I think Camila is as well. Like she, I haven't never seen her act because I think this is going to be her feature film debut. I think she's done some TV stuff before. I just know Havana's really uh, but, catchy. And I, I've seen her in concert and she's great on the stage. So she has a presence. Oh, so, really? Well, I, yeah, I saw, so I saw. She Taylor, opened for Taylor Swift? Yeah. Nice. So I, I went to the Taylor Swift concert with my sisters and one of my sister's boyfriends last year. Great show. How relevant. I know. And who knew it would pay off someday down the road. Is, is Taylor Swift going to be okay in Cats? I I don't know. I mean, okay. I'm sure she'll sound fine. <laughs> I just man, Cats from what the impressions were from CinemaCon just sounds like a a wild movie. <laughs> so uh, we will see how that one turns out. But yeah, Camila and Kay Cannon teaming up for Cinderella. Um, if that means Camila's going to be writing music for the movie too, I won't be surprised about that. And uh, hopefully, we know more about it soon because now that it's happening, I don't want to be like and 2021 is when we're going to see it. It's like, like could it, can you guys pump this out by the end of the year? Maybe. 
I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Um, but we also got a report from Deadline this week that The Handmaid's Tale actor O.T. Fegbinelli uh, is set to join the cast of Black Widow, and he is expected to play the villain of the film as well. So it looks like Andre Holland did not get that part, unfortunately. Um, and I don't have any background with OT. So I'm hoping that this is just the latest edition of Marvel casting somebody I don't know and then be like, wow, this person's amazing. And so I think that's hopefully going to be the case here. I hope so too. I don't know anything about this dude at all. None of his credits at all make any sense. He's done a lot of stuff. Like, a lot of stuff. He's voice acted and TV and you can go on and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Great for him. I hope to be surprised. Um, but bring it on. Yeah. And then lastly, we got a surprising uh, piece of news this week from The Hollywood Reporter that John August is writing a script for Summer Loving, which is a Grease prequel movie that will tell the summer fling between Danny Zuko and Sandy Olsen. Josh, do we need this movie? <laughs> no, we don't need this movie. But they're going to cast a ton of like hunks and like beautiful people to be all in this movie, and then we're gonna be like, "This was the movie we needed all along." And like as our as resident musical lover here, um, I'm 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 good for it. Like Grease is Grease is fun and entertaining, and like the live version like loved it as much. And so let's see what this is. Like I'll give it a chance. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a blatant cash grab and just like ribbing it mm-hmm. but i thought mama mia 2 was going to be that as well and it was way more joyous than i expected <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah i'm okay with this until like something crazy happens right i mean i haven't seen greece in i don't even know how long it's been it's been probably decades at this point but it it's got great music it's iconic at this point for uh john Travolta and everybody so it's not I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long to get something else in the greece universe um so it all really will come down to casting i think and more learning about what the story is because there's the different um views that each of those characters have from the original greece of how those characters met originally during the summer so i want to see what the execution is going to be like if they're going to show like it through danny's eyes for one point and then sandy's eyes and show how that contradicts one another uh-huh. uh, or if it's just going to be like a straight up here's how they fell in love originally and we're setting up Greece for you guys to go watch after you see this movie I don't really care either way um, but I mean if they get some talented up and coming musicians they'll be like Harry Styles and somebody else will star in the movie and uh, that's where we'll go from there so um, it's fine I don't really care I don't have much opinion about Greece uh, the prequel movie so um, that is all we have for this episode next week we'll be back with a review of The Curse of La Llorona I believe uh, the latest movie from Blumhouse. So uh, any real anticipation for this one, Josh? It's horror. It looks like a better version of The Nun. And so I'm I'm down for it, you know, because um, it's got those spiritual elements and like definitely like really seeped in. And I think it takes place in the Conjuring universe. I'm pretty sure that's been oh, confirmed. Did not know that. Great for it. I'm ready. Bring it on. And speaking of The Nun, uh, The Nun 2 is potentially happening, which I was like, oh, gosh, please no. Uh, <laughs> Don't well, need that to happen. I did not see that story. Um, we'll have to come back on to that. Maybe. Because... <laughs> Yeah, some oh. thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think the trailers for Iona look fine. They look like traditional horror in the, for the most part. What I would expect from a movie about a the weeping widow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if anything, I'm just like, hey, Linda Cardellini is fantastic. She's super underutilized in Hollywood, and so if this is her 
giving giving this is Hollywood giving her that starring role so then she can maybe have more success in the future, then great. I'm here for it. Oh, that you're right. Peter Safran did say there's an in it there's an inevitability to another nun movie. Well, I think it's the highest grossing conjuring movie of all it time. It is the highest grossing it had the wild. best opening for sure. It's insane. Oh. So yeah. That's that's the future we are going to live in at some point. I, I just hope someone gets. I just hope someone gets you know like a good um you know a, a good shot to make it something better because yeah. like like Annabelle Annabelle creation yeah, was way better. Sandberg made the jump and mm-hmm. helped improve that one. So and so if they rip someone from obscurity and make them famous, that that's the good thing for horror films. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we'll also be back this week with another big question, which I believe we're going to be comparing and contrasting the first seven films between the MCU and the DCU, which has been generated from a discussion that's been happening online this past week or so after Shazam hit theaters. So that should be a fun one to tune in for on Wednesday. And in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by Twins at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me at Josh, which is Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes to give us a five-star view with comments. Tell us why you listen to the show. Thanks again for tuning in to the Fence Podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes.